Dave and Ryan's movie review and action. Everyone loves going to the movies. And while some are amazing, some are awful. Fortunately, we have Dave and Ryan, two guys with nothing better to do than watch movies of today and movies of yesterday. So get your popcorn ready, silence your phones, and relax, because the show is about to begin. Cue Dave and Ryan in three, two, one. It's Dave and Ryan's movie review. Sponsored by nobody. Welcome into another. Dave and Ryan's movie review take 22, I believe. Are we right? 22? I believe so. We're doing pretty good. Not too bad. Nobody's <laughs> called and, and said terrible things to us yet. Well, I don't reply to email, so I don't uh, know. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to open my email. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it, right? Exactly. If you just don't apply, if you don't reply to it, if you don't even open it, everything is right with the world. Yeah. All right, we're going to talk some good stuff about movies today. Went and saw a really good one. We'll talk about that one coming up in just a bit. But right here, we got to go to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Boulevard, a place of glitz, glamour, and dreams. Just kidding. This place is a dump. That's why Dave and Ryan come here each week. You get the news from Hollywood without fearing for your life on the Walk of Fame. It's This Week in Hollywood. All right, so it's a never-ending saga here. Um, SAG-AFTRA's Duncan Crabtree Ireland. So important, he's got to have three names, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is cautiously optimistic as two sides return to the negotiating table. Uh, he told Deadline today, we are having continued negotiations today, and we're 100% focused on making a fair deal at the table. That's where it's going. That's what it's all about, she says. I am cautiously optimistic that can happen. I don't really want to characterize what's going on in the room, but we're really focused on just staying prepared and focused on getting the negotiations done. Well, that quote said focus three times, so they must be really focused. Yeah, I don't see this ending any time before Thanksgiving. Uh, remember, we talked before, and here we are. Uh, there were rumors out there that they were going to hold on to it until about Thanksgiving. Or not Thanksgiving till Halloween. Yeah. Maybe they get something done and, and, and we get ready. You know, we got until Tuesday now. Yeah. Never know. But uh, just a few days away. It's it's eating away. It's eating away at that uh, <laughs> 2024 summer film schedule. We already lost Deadpool and our Deadpool three to their date. They just moved it out. Of, and it's uh, it's still coming out in 2024. However, uh, Mission Impossible eight. So Dead Reckoning part two is going way, way back. And it will need to st restart production, and it's looking unlikely with each day that it, uh, that passes in the SAG after strike. So the Tom Cruise sequel now has moved from June 28th of next year, 2024, to May 23rd, 2025, Memorial Day weekend. Ooh, that'll be a good move if... It will be, and this is why they said that. You know, the studio is going to have access to IMAX screens, and Memorial Day is a special place because that's where Cruz launched his biggest movie of all time, Top Gun Maverick, Ooh, to $1.4 worldwide. Nice. There's also rumors out there, and I guess it's just getting eaten alive. I We talked about this just a little bit before we came on the air. I think it has everything to do with the fact that... Uh, 
people just did not respond very well to Dead Reckoning Part One, Mission Impossible Seven. Yeah, it was you know it was it was a decent movie. Um, I know we we talked about it. You thought you know if anyone could save the summer movies, it was Tom Cruise. But didn't I, work. But then you know he got annihilated by Barbie. Say, turned out it was Margot Robbie. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Barbie came to his aid. Yep. So uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, there's even talk that they're going to rename the movie. So it Hmm. may not be Dead Reckoning Part 2, maybe trying to distance themselves a little bit from that. But yes, we've lost another one now. Uh, So that opens that date up in June as Dead Reckoning Part 2, or whatever they're going to call it, (laughs) will move to May 23rd of 2025 so we'll, we'll see how that yeah. all plays out but mission impossible eight let's try again let's try again <laughs> mission impossible maybe truly was impossible yeah i don't know but the thing about it is and we we talked about this before the more and more and more we dig into this tr- this strike and the longer that it goes on you're going to start seeing movies for next summer kind of just drop and yeah. they'll just drop, and they'll either do what Tom Cruise and the, his his people have done, moved it to 2025, or pushed it to later on in the year, because there are still reshoots that need to happen to these movies. Some of them aren't even finished yet. Yeah, it, you got you realize it's not just going to affect movies. Yes, the writer strike ended, and late night TV came back, but all the other TV shows have actors that are a part of the SAG AFTRA. And that will affect it as well. So some of your favorite TV shows, just because the writer strikes over, doesn't mean it's necessarily coming back. Maybe they should just have the writers go on air and just read the scripts. Yeah. <laughs> Might be funny. I don't know. Have them act, act it out themselves. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> for my next joke, I wrote this myself. <laughs> I wrote this for young Sheldon. <laughs> Exterior. Yeah. But it, it, it's getting to the point where it's not going to be a laughing matter anymore. Yeah. You know, so let's see what happens. Maybe they can get something done and and tighten it up and and wrap this up and everybody's happy by maybe Thanksgiving or, you know, at least. Yeah, but but let's stay positive, Dave. How about Christmas? You know, know, Halloween's only just a few days away. Could it be a Christmas miracle? Yeah. Who knows? So what what are you going to be for Halloween, Dave? I'm going to be... I'm not sure yet. I haven't thought about that. You, it's there's only like a few days left. I know. I know. I'll get to it. You had like almost a whole year to think I about. Did it. I did? But a lot going on. Oh, okay. Okay. I haven't thought about it yet. All right. Okay. What are you gonna be? Oh, you know what I'm gonna be. I've already told you what I'm gonna be. Okay. I'm gonna be Howard the Duck. That's you are <laughs> Howard the Duck. I am Howard the We've Duck. We've already figured that out. <laughs> All right. So let's look at the box office. Number five last week, Nightmare Before Christmas, the 30th anniversary re-release, pulled in $4.2 million. That's not too bad for a re-release. Yeah. Paw Patrol, 4.4, bringing its total to $56 million at number four. Number three, Exorcist Believer, $5.6 million, bringing its total to $54.3 million. Killers of the Flower Moon debuts at number two with $23.2 million. And it's just a girl summer and carrying into the fall and winter months, apparently, yeah. because Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, pulls in another $33.2 million, yeah. bringing its total to $131.9 million. Yeah, it was hot girl summer, now it's hot girl fall. Hot girl fall. You know, hey, more power to her. If she can get people back into theaters, that's yeah. what it's really all about. 
If you want to go and, and see this and get back into the theaters, that's fine. It's there for you. So we went and saw the Canterville Ghosts. We're going to talk about that one coming up in just a minute. And then with the World Series now started, started last night, uh, baseball movies. Why not? There's so many great ones yeah, out there. We got a few of them to talk about. And we're going to talk about them. And then, of course, we got to wrap up October Madness. October Madness. With the final four today. And we were talking about the final four movies in this. I don't know how we did it, but we whittled down. And we have probably four of the most iconic names in horror when it comes to just behind the scenes alone for that. So we'll talk more about that coming up right here, though. It's an honest movie review. Welcome back for another honest movie review. Today, we go back to 2010 for the American romantic comedy film Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. It comes every year whether you like it or not. Everybody's gonna love today, gonna love today, gonna love today. It's the day when your love life is put on display, where there's always a chance for romance or disaster. I view Valentine's Day as being a first date movie. If your date likes it, do not date that person again. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. Yeah, that was... I, I I remember going and actually seeing that movie in theaters. I have to say that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I can't say the same. <laughs> You're so much better than all of us. Oh, dang. All right. So <laughs> when we come back, we'll be talking about the Canterville Ghosts. Stick around. Everyone on set, shut up. Shut up. These two buffoons are about to talk about a new release. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment one. Action. What's more exciting than a brand new release to the movie theater? According to Dave and Ryan, nothing. They're the first to see it, so you're the first to hear about it. And this week's latest review is The Canterville Ghost. An American family moves into Canterville Chase, a stately countryside mansion that has been haunted by the ghost of Sir Simon de Canterville for 300 years. Let's see what Dave and Ryan think of the Canterville Ghost, which is rated PG and now playing nationwide. All right, so we went and saw this movie on Thursday, and... <sighs> it was weird. It's weird. You know, it's it's one of those movies, The Canterville Ghost. It's based on a short story by Oscar Wilde. Um, it's right in our sweet spot, though, for movies. An hour 29. Yeah. I love that. It beats seeing all these other long movies that are like reading a novel or something. I, I can go to like a two-hour movie, but anything over two is just overkill we start to lose you a little bit yeah start to lose you a little bit uh so anyway the story goes an american family moves into an english manor and it's haunted Ooh. right because it would have to be because if not it would be a really it'd be an even shorter story <laughs> yes so here's the background of the oscar wilde version a gentleman has been um blamed say for killing his wife by her brothers, and he is walled up into a room of the castle and left there basically to die. Once he dies, he haunts the house. Yeah. Um, and it's listed as a humorous short story. <laughs> yeah, hu- humorous. Uh, well, the, the animation was humorous. It's true. 
I haven't read the uh, original short story, but if it's anything like the movie, it'll be funny. And we'll talk about something we found out afterwards. Probably going to watch it this weekend as well. Um, So anyway, an American family moves in. Their youngest daughter, or their only daughter, apparently, um, doesn't want to be there. No, they didn't want to leave America in the first place. Yeah. And She's, this this is like right at the turn of the kind of the turn of the century. They, they, electricity is brand new, basically. Yeah, they're they're he's bringing electricity to the English people. Yes, so to speak. So, I'd, I'll tell you what it, the story keeps you going. Okay, it's a good story. She's got two little brothers that are just a pain in the butt throughout yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Um, there is a love interest played. Uh, the voice actor on it is Freddie Highmore. Some people may know that name. Um, other actors in this one, Hugh Laurie. Everybody, I love Hugh Laurie. Yes. Uh, Stephen Fry. And Toby Jones is in this. He, he is. was the priest. Yep. So you get all these great voices, and we talked about the fact that it just seemed rushed. It seemed really rushed. The whole thing. Then come to find out, this movie's actually been sitting on the shelf since 2016. Yeah, I think they could have, you know, tweaked it a little from <laughs> should, then. Should have been left there? That, yeah. I guess that's the question. Well, I, I wouldn't say left there, but it was definitely, like we said, it was rushed. Uh, you know, you really didn't feel anything for any of the characters. You know, the, you know, the main story kind of revolved around uh, Virginia, the oldest daughter. Um, you know, she wanting to go back to America. And, you know, she kind of goes into cahoots with the ghost a little bit. But other than that, there's really no depth to any character. Not not uh, not even the ghost. And he's probably the one you learn the most about. Yeah, and even still, you're just like, I don't care. But, of course, nobody in the house is afraid of the ghost, so it doesn't work out. Yeah, crazy you, Americans. You come to find out the whole story towards the end of it. But, like I said, it, we talked about this and the fact that it's not really a kids movie yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a kids movie definitely not a teenage movie it's 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 a family movie maybe like a like a small small child early like maybe under five and and they'll have fun with this it it was not for me this movie was not made for me but there were still elements that were funny. At a, at a certain moment in time, it becomes a Ghostbusters movie. You'll catch that if you listen really close. Yeah. Uh, I had to give this one two and a half buckets of popcorn out of five. Because it it's not a terrible movie. It's just that it's not for me. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that it seemed like it was rushed. And I never like to use those words. And we were just saying this as well. I don't like to use the word but it kind of just, I and mean, it's not going to make a lot, but it, it felt like a money grab. Yeah, I think if this would have came back out back in 2016, it would have done a lot better. But, you know, people nowadays, um, they want more to the story. Um, I thought the voice actors did a great job. Every uh, character's uh, voice actor fit the character perfectly. But I agree with you, you know, it's was kind of felt like a money grab and it was really 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 rushed you don't really uh, understand what's going on until uh, right towards the end there you never find out who the one character is until the very end uh-huh. he's just some mystery guy out in the garden some mystery gardener yeah but uh the, like i said the other thing about this is it's it's not a terrible movie 
it's just that it it doesn't take a lot, not a lot of character development, and you even said as well because this is an animated feature. The animation was pretty good. Yeah, the it. animation was perfect. So I, I gave it, like I said, I gave it two and a half, and you, I gave it two, two, two popcorn buckets out of five. I'm just you know, it's a good movie. Take the whole family and go. But I think you know what it all boils down to when we're talking about these movies and about you know going and seeing movies and and those kinds of things whether whether we say it's bad or good go go see it yeah we're just giving you our opinion but the most important part is get out and go see a movie yeah go get to the your theater. local theaters and go and and enjoy this one and have fun with it uh, the canterville ghost once again running about an hour 29 Rated PG, got some great voice actors, Freddie Highmore, Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry, Toby Jones. But go check this one out. Take the whole family and enjoy this one, I guess that's what I need to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you need to say. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get across with this one. We are not bribed at all. No, believe me, I we like are cookies. not. <laughs> you like cookies? I do. Okay. And if there happen to be some cookies at the station, you know, I'll say whatever you want. <laughs> there. Okay, you... You know the bill you got to pay now, I guess. Bribes accepted here. Bribes are accepted here. Here on the David Ryan Show. <laughs> All right. So when we come back with baseball and it's postseason underway and the World Series going on, it's time to talk about some baseball movies, and we're going to have some fun with that. So stick around. Hey, idiots. We're back from commercial. Dave and Ryan's movie review segment two. And action. So with the World Series starting up last night, um, you know what? Here's the thing. I love sports movies. So do I. I. I love football movies. I love, you know, and probably out of the whole bunch of them, though, I really like baseball movies because 90% of the time you don't run into a, a baseball movie that takes itself seriously all the way through. Yeah, it's 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 pretty comical. So uh, we've picked each pick two. We're going to kind of talk about them. You guys can check them out and watch them, find them where they're at. And uh, there is you will find uh, one person that is kind of synonymous with baseball movies. And we we talk about two of them, but he has like three or four of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. So my first movie is Major League. 1989. This one, of course, is rated R. Yes. Very. It stars Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, and not a lot of people realize who, you know, Joe Boo's keeper is, who Pedro Serrano is. Yeah. It's Dennis Haysbert, the <laughs> Allstate guy. Yeah. He's got that deep baritone voice. And this is a movie that the um, widow of the previous owner of the Cleveland Indians. Uh, decides that she is going to make the team so terrible that they have no other choice but to move to Miami, where Miami has already promised her a new stadium and all these deals and stuff like that. So she goes out and hires and finds all of these players or has this other gentleman find all these players that are not that good. Yeah, she finds a no-name uh, manager a no -name and then manager. invites all these no-names to uh, camp. Yes, Tom Berenger plays a catcher that is washed up. His Both of his knees are shot. Yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes plays a very fast gentleman, but... Uh, nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows who he is. Uh, Dennis Haysbert can hit the ball a ton as Pedro Serrano, but there's just some few things that he needs to work on. And then, of course, Charlie Sheen, 
and one of the best lines in the movie. Oh, and Corbin Burnson, you know, we got him in there too. Yeah. Uh, one of the best lines is, uh, you know, what? Where did you play last season? And you told him uh, California <laughs> Penal because he was obviously in jail. So uh, he can throw the ball miles and miles an hour. Charlie Sheen can, however, it's not no maybe control. the accurate pride. Yeah, you know, no control. So come to find out, what's going on with Charlie Sheen is he just can't see. So they get him some really cool glasses. Um, and they kind of start putting it together and maybe like what halfway through the movie, they figure out what the lady's up to. Yeah. And they just start winning. And so they just decide, you know what? Let's just win it. Let's just win the whole thing and prove her wrong. And I think the best part of it is you find out at that moment. Well, you do earlier in the movie that she was a former stripper. Yes. Yeah. So the coach <laughs> has this thing made up that is a cutout of her. And every time they win a game, they could peel a piece of her clothing off. It's a great movie. They come together at the end of, you know, a lot of great things happen. What did they have? Three or four other movies about this after this? Uh, I know uh, they had at least two more. Yeah, at least two more. Uh, It's just a fun movie. It's a great time. Lots of great camaraderie. Everybody getting together. Growing up together, you know, Wesley Snipes has never made this kind of money before, uh, and Charlie Sheen doesn't really know what to do with his newfound fame. Uh, Corbin Burnson is just kind of a jerk through the first, let's see what, this hour, this movie is what, an hour and 40 minutes long? It's probably a jerk through the first hour and 30 minutes. Yeah. Comes a human being at the end of it. Come on, Dorn. Tom Berenger gets back with, and that's another, Rene Russo. Yeah. Plays a former girlfriend that Tom Berenger ends up getting back with. Uh, it's just a lot of fun, and you got to check this one out. I, I don't know what you thought about it. You said that you've seen it too, because if I didn't pick this one, you were going to pick it. Yeah, the, the, I love this movie. If you think of baseball movies, this is like the movie you think of of baseball. You know, it's funny. It's got really good action. Um, you know, there's just so many, so many characters with different personalities. I love it when, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the old pitcher, he steals some Buku's wine. <laughs> Joe Boo. Yeah. Joe Boo needs a refill. And then he goes outside and then he gets hit by the bat. <laughs> well, that, and, uh, and when him and Serrano get into it over the, over the, the, the curveball. Oh yeah. <laughs> you mean Jesus Christ can't hit You're a curveball? Tell me that Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's locker room banter. It's fun like that. And, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Plus, you know, you got some great baseball in there. Bob Euchre is in there as the announcer yeah, for the Cleveland Indians outside. and he's sober 90% of the time. I think, <laughs> I don't know. You never can tell with Bob Euchre, but a great movie, 1989's major league, find it and watch it. And I yeah. I've said it before about other movies. That's a remote drop movie. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, definitely is. All right. What do you got? All right. So my first one is from 1999 for love of the game. Now this is you know this isn't quite um, a lot of people think this is more of a love story but you know it is a baseball movie you know starring Kevin Costner as Billy Chapel Kelly uh, Peterson Preston Preston sorry uh, John C Riley Brian Cox is also in it and J K Simmons you know uh, Kevin Costner's uh, character Billy Chapel basically after 19 years of playing the game that he loves you know uh, he's contemplating retirement and uh, they start this game they're playing the the New York Yankees. And he just starts just zinging them in, just strikeout after strikeout. And towards the end of the movie, you know, he's almost got a perfect game. 
And, uh, you know, the movie, you know, it goes back through all the 19 years of his life about, you know, the, uh, the love of his life, uh, Kelly Preston, Preston, Preston. Yeah. Who, uh, basically, uh, she was the girl who got away and she's watching it at the airport, uh, waiting to fly out. And, uh, basically he ends up retiring spoiler alert <laughs> but you know it goes back you know him uh, f- basically finding her on the side stranded on the side of the road you literally know? yeah damsel in distress right there you know and uh, they get to know each other uh she has a daughter <laughs> one of my favorite parts is when uh, he has to go pick up the daughter in the city that he's playing in and so he just takes the team bus with uh, with everybody <laughs> he's like she's all like oh my can't my mom do anything normal <laughs> well and the other great thing about it is we talked about this one it takes place really through that game yeah, that's when it takes place. And yeah, he goes back and has all these flashbacks and things like that. And, you know, say what you want about Kevin Costner, but he is honestly a baseball guy at heart. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the movies that didn't even we didn't we're not even going to talk about here was Field of Dreams. And that's that is an, a, a, another like quintessential baseball movie. But he loves doing these kinds of Americana movies. And, and this movie is great. It really is, it is. because, yeah, it's just him sitting there going through all of the motions in his final game as as he's pitching a perfect game on top of everything else. Yep. It's really it's really a great movie. Love this one. Yeah. Kind of uh you know during the movie, you know, you kind of get the feel of kind of like uh you know, I know it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't represent him, but you know, like you kind of get like great pitchers, you know, Nolan Ryan is one of them that I kind of think of when I watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. And all right, spoiler alert, the next one, it's a Kevin Costner movie, too. (gasps) No. Yeah, and it's another great one. 1988, Bull Durham. Love this movie. I love this movie. This this one is another remote drop movie. It really is. When when it's on TV, you got to watch it. Rated R, Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins. Robert Wool is in there, if you know who that is. But this movie deals with Kevin Costner's character and Tim Robbins' character. Uh, Kevin Costner is Crash Davis that is, uh, once again, a catcher that really has no knees left. And he's just kind of making his way through the Carolina Leagues. And this team gets a hold of Tim Robbins' character, Eddie Nuke Lelouch. <laughs> and the guy can throw a fastball past you. and. But that's all he really has, and he just has. Yeah. But he doesn't have it all together in his head. Yeah, he he's not the brightest character on the field either. And, and that's why they bring <laughs> Kevin Costner's character in, just to kind of say, okay, calm down. Here's what we're gonna do, and just to kind of honest, honestly, almost mentor him. Yeah. And they tell him that at the beginning of the movie, and he really, I, I, I think when he when they first tell him, he wants really nothing to do yeah, with he it. But then he also it. thinks back. This could be the last chance that I have to play baseball. Yeah. And so that's why he does this. Uh, so many, I, I don't even know where to start. There are so many great scenes in this movie. Um, all the way from the uh, the Rose Garters <laughs> that they have. Uh, are Susan you wearing Sarandon, <laughs> Susan Sarandon plays a lady that picks one player every season. Uh, she's like the baseball whisperer. Yeah, or and, and that's who she kind of takes under her wing and does other things with. And she can't <laughs> decide between Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner. 
And I love that scene when they're at the beginning when she explains all this to them. And he just gets up and he says, I don't try out. And he walks out of the room. Kevin Costner <laughs> just leaves. And of course, Tim Robbins is there because Tim Robbins is just happy to be anywhere. Yes. Um, there's that scene. There's the scene. One of my favorite scenes of any baseball movie is when they're on the mound. And the trying coach, to find a wedding present. The coach looks <laughs> at Robert Wald. He goes, well, what's going on out there? And he's like, I don't know. So we'll go find out. They get out there and. The one guy needs a, a live chicken to take a hex off of his glove. <laughs> they can't decide what to get somebody for a wedding present. <laughs> and he's like, we're dealing through a lot of stuff out here right now. <laughs> all right. And so Robert Wool kind of comes up with, you know, explanations for all of them. There's that scene. There's the scene where he bets them all that he's going to get a rain out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they go to the ballpark that the, the, they're playing at the next day, and he turns on the sprinklers, and they just go running like, on the field and things like that. But there are just elements like that and scenes that you remember. The lollygagger scene. Yeah. They're kids. Scare them. <laughs> it's just, it's a great movie. It's a great team movie. And at the end, Tim Robbins gets called up. Crash goes on to do whatever Crash he, he gets is going to do. He, well, he gets traded, but he also he gets the record. I think yeah, was he gets it for the home singles run record. or the home run record. So it's a great, great movie. And once again, it's worthy of a remote drop. If you see it on, find it somewhere. Watch that one. 1988's Bull Durham. All right. What do you got? All right. So mine is from 1993. Rookie of the Year. Now, I remember going to see this in theaters and I... I'm a Cubs fan and a Yankees fan, so this was right up my alley. Uh, it stars uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas as uh, Henry Rowan Gardner. Uh, Gary Busey's in this movie. This was before he was crazy. Before. Yeah, and like I didn't realize it was Gary Busey until I went back and looked up who was in it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Gary Busey, and he's not all, yeah, yeah. Gary Busey yeah. before the crazy was it was a butter sausage is that what we're talking about now with Gary Busey I can't remember it's got Amy Morton in it as uh, Henry's uh, mother it's got John Candy Daniel Stern and Eddie Brackman and I'll tell you what my favorite person in this movie is Daniel Stern yeah Brickman. He he is like the person that is. I I think he's maybe taking way too many pitches to the head. Yeah, he, he's like the uh, the team's assistant coach. Um, you know, he's uh, basically trying to help Henry uh, kind of get into his groove. <laughs> he's always throwing seeds in his mouth and choking, and he's he's got you know his his big secret is hot ice. He heats up the ice cubes. Take the ice. <laughs> I take the ice and I heat him up. He gives me hot ice. <laughs> There's that one. And like I said, my favorite scene from that movie is when he gets closed in between the two doors of the hotel room. They have adjoining rooms and he gets slammed in between the two doors and nobody knows where he's at. Get help. Get help now. <laughs> Get help. But it, it, that's just, it's that's a really good, I mean, you know, maybe for the love of the game is the other the two that I mentioned aren't really, but Rookie of the Year yeah. is a great family movie. Yeah, it so, really so, is. Uh, so this movie is basically uh, Henry Rowan Gardner's character. It's horrible at baseball. Horrible. He plays little league. He's trying to take after his father who he didn't know, um, and he's just horrible. And he ends up breaking his arm, and he's in a cast. Um, he's his. Imagine like uh, just. Like you're raising your hand. That's how his cast 90 is. 90-degree angle. Yeah, at a 90-degree angle. And he's in the cast for um, 
I can't remember the amount of time, a, f- a few months, and basically um, his tendon in his arm um, really, um, I th- believe it uh, kind of like uh, uh, got strengthened up basically, so it got really, really uh, f- uh, flexible. So he's able to just throw the ball like over a hundred miles an hour. And in the first scene, he's in the, he's at the Cubs game and they're they're losing. And he's in the outfield. Opposite team hits the home run, picks up. Uh, the rule is you got to throw the ball back if it's not, you know, the Cubs. So he goes to throw it back, and he zings it all the way to home. From, like, I think it's, like, center field, right? Yeah. The, the stands in center field or something. Yeah, and John Candy's character is the uh, the announcer. <laughs> He's just hilarious. But he ends up getting a tryout, or uh, I think they just sign him to the Cubs. And uh, basically... Uh, Gary Busey's character is uh, Chet Stedman. He's kind of like the old pitcher. Basically, um, they want him to kind of take him under his wings and teach him how to, you know, be a major leaguer, basically. And he's, you know, at first he's not for it, but towards the end of the movie, you know, you know, they find the connection and uh, he becomes a really good pitcher. And then at the, I believe it, they were trying to make the uh, pennant and he slips on a baseball as he's going out to the field. And basically hurts his arm so he can't throw fast anymore. So he ends up uh, kind of underhanding it. And then uh, uh, the, uh, the guy he was pitching to, his name was Potato, basically swings and misses at you know, a ball going so slow that they're not used to. Right. Yeah, but this is a great movie. Uh, your kids will love it. I loved it growing up as a kid. I'm sure... Uh, you've seen it many I times, have seen Dave. It many times, yep. It's a good one. I it like is. that one. That's fun. And you know, uh, I just wrote down three that just popped into my head that we didn't really cover. Uh, Fever Pitch. Yeah, that's a great movie with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Um, then the Bad News Bears, and I'm talking the original. I'm not talking taking anything away from Billy Bob Thornton, but yeah. I'm talking the original that couldn't be made now. Yeah, that one, and then The Natural. Yeah, and another one I I was thought about uh, is, is uh, Mr. Baseball. That's with a good Tom one too. Selleck. With Tom Selleck, yeah. That's a good one. It also has a, a guy from your uh, first movie, Serrano's in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are plenty. Of, it's just funny to watch these movies and see them. And yes, because that just, that yeah, that reminds me. I remember <laughs> yeah, that you're now. like, oh, yeah, this no, movie. No, no, no. First you shower, then you bathe. <laughs> yeah. All right. So go find a great uh, great baseball movie. There's plenty of them out there. Uh, either find them on a streaming service or just, you know, maybe you have them sitting at home and watch them and uh, get ready as we bring the baseball season to an end. All right. When we come back, it's the one we've been waiting for. October Madness. the final four today. And we'll cover all that when we get back in here. Stick around. All right, imbeciles. Everyone quiet down. Dave and Ryan's movie review, segment three, and action. Oh, we've done this before, but not in this setting. It's the ultimate 16 movie bracket to determine Dave and Ryan's scariest movie. I'll give our favorite duo three minutes to decide their winner, eliminating one movie at a time out of a tournament-style debate. The only catch? These two hard-headed jerks have to agree on which one comes out on top. All I'm looking forward to this one. All right, this is one we've been waiting for for a little bit. Uh, We've been working on these. We started with 16 movies. We're now down 
to the final four. And today, we're not leaving this studio until we have our winner. Oh, yeah. Our, and I don't know if you're ready to argue or if I'm ready to argue or who's ready to argue, but we're going to do it. Let's do it. All right, let's go. Released in 1987, Hellraiser follows a woman who discovers the newly resurrected, partially formed body of her brother-in-law. She starts killing for him to revitalize his body so he can escape the demonic beings. And its opponent, a cult classic released in 1978, Halloween. Fifteen years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to a small town. All right, so let's first start with Halloween. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was a good movie. Uh, if, if you're into those things... On Netflix, there's a series called The Movies That Made Us. This is on there, and I've watched it many, many times. And this movie, it took forever to get made. It was one of those movies that John Carpenter wanted to do. John Carpenter was really a jack-of-all-trades, and the reason he got started was because of the fact that he could do a little bit of everything. He was a director. He was a writer. uh, He even wrote music. And performed the music. Uh, he did a little bit of everything. But here's my problem with Halloween. And you follow me. You tell me what you think. Is it back then? Was it the same story? Or is this the one that started kind of the same story? As Maniac kills his family, escapes an insane asylum, and goes on a killing spree. Well, it, you know, it's not an original story by no means at all. Um, it, it is, honestly, um, I like Halloween. Because, um, you know, it was the effective use of the POV. You know, he busts into the room and you got the, the view of the killer as the victim as he's coming at you with the knife. And, you know, it was kind of one of the first times that they've really done that successfully. You know, they do POV in movies all the time and sometimes it just like horrible and makes you sick. But this was the first time it was actually used successfully. That's very true. And it introduced us to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Where would we be without Jamie Lee Curtis? We'd be sad and alone. We probably would be sad <laughs> and alone. Um, a great actress in her own right. But I just, I think the story of Halloween is kind of played out. But I can't decide if it was played out before this story. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, my, my pick is for Halloween. That That's who I'm going with. And I there's only one person that I chose this movie for. And it's not John Carpenter. It's Dean Curdy, the cinema, the cinematographer, the guy behind the camera, the guy who made it look how it looks. And he, this guy is amazing. He's, you know, he did uh, Where the Red Fern Grows, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Romancing the Stone, all of the Back to the Futures. Uh, he did Big Trouble in Little China, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Roadhouse, Hook, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, Apollo 13, and he did uh, The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. So this guy is amazing at what he does. All those movies are amazing. They all look great. And the reason this movie, one of the reasons this movie is successful is because of him, Dean Curdy. When we first started talking about Hellraiser, I, you know, the thing about it is, it's really just a gore fest. That's all Hellraiser it is. It's, is. it's a fetish gore fest. <laughs> well, we, we've, I think we've talked enough about that as well. Uh, it <laughs> we came out in 1987. But here's the thing about Hellraiser. It was, at the time, it was cutting edge, and it was an original story. Yeah, it was the first time. We, well, you know, there's been stories about demons, you know, f- forever. That's true. 
Clive Barker is a messed up dude. He is. He's very messed up. And this was also a serious story when you think about it. Okay, this is a serious story. Uh, right around the same time as we were dealing with, um, you know, and we'll talk about it here in just a moment, even though it was a, it was sequels, but uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that started, kind of started to get a little humorous. Mm-hmm. The first one was serious. The rest of them got really humorous. And Evil Dead. Evil Dead was... Yes, it was. I don't think it was meant to be funny, but there are just parts of it that are funny. The, the first, the first one was was a kind of a horror film. Everything else after that, no. Okay, but that's what makes me kind of lean more towards Hellraiser. It's more of an original story, and it's it is it is just scary. So I'm leaning in that direction, but I could be swayed because I agree with everything that we're talking about with Halloween as well. It is a it was a. Great movie for its time when it came out. It was made on a shoestring. Yeah. And John Carpenter is a genius. He is. So maybe am I talking myself into it? I think you are, Dave. John Carpenter is a genius. What else do you need, Dave? I I think you're right. I think we're going to have to give this round to Halloween. Halloween! All right. Next, we have a matchup featuring the Poltergeist. Released in 1982, a family's home is haunted by a host of demonic ghosts. A nightmare on Elm Street. A girl and a group of her friends are being tormented by a clawed killer in their dreams named Freddy Krueger. The kids must think fast as Freddy tries to pick them off one by one. Here we go. Here we go. Let's let's start with Poltergeist. And it was really funny because we talked about the fact that you know we came up with just sitting around on the fly, we came up with these 16 movies. Yeah, we just sat down. There's a group of us. Every horror movie we could remember as a child, and today we're just like, this one, this one, this one, this one. And this is one I actually came up with. We got to looking at the fact that we have four of the greatest minds in horror in here. You know, we've got, uh, with Halloween, as we said, we had John Carpenter. We've got Clive Barker. Uh, With this movie, with Poltergeist, we have got Toby Hooper. Yeah. And if you don't know that much about Tobey Hooper, go watch a little, um, I don't know, was it a self-help film or was it more along the lines of, you know, a safety film uh, called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, he did one and two. He did that. And the other thing about this is, this is a movie that was produced by some pretty heavy hitters as well, Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, Yeah, still around making noise and making money today. And Steven Spielberg... And this is actually a story that he yeah, even this wrote. Is the, the story by Steven Spielberg. He wrote this story. You know, a family moves into a new home. You know, the builder maybe just moved some headstones, but didn't move some bodies. Yeah. Classic story. <laughs> Happens all yeah, the time. All the time. So I think that, you know, this movie has its place. We've talked about it, I think, enough to the point where, you know, uh, yes, it was scary. We remember certain things about this movie that just stick out in our mind that, you know, haunt our dreams still to this day so poltergeist is there but uh, uh, going up against this this is a heavy hitter it is and it is. when we talk about people and horror movie icons you got to talk about wes craven and yes. you've got to talk about nightmare on elm street the original nightmare on elm street yes. okay once again this is another one that is uh, on the uh, the the movies that made us Budget of $1.8 million, so they made this movie. If they made it today, it would have cost them about $5 million. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The box office, $25 million back then, $76 million today, and they were on a shoestring. They were. Uh, this is, if anyone is familiar with New Line Cinema, 
Um, New Line Cinema came out and you know made some movies. I don't know if people have heard of them called the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. They came out that they that is the house that came out that. But New Line Cinema is the house that Freddie built. They were ready to go bankrupt, and this movie came out and saved them. And the thing about Freddy Krueger is, how can you fight someone that is in your dreams? Yeah, nobody it, wanted it, to go to sleep hard. after this movie. Yeah. Uh, if you watch, like I said, if you watch the movies that made us, it talks about some of the special effects in this. Uh, there's the scene where the girl is uh, basically killed in front of her boyfriend. Uh, that was in an upside down room. Yeah, they built the room upside down, and then to get their money's worth out of it, the Johnny Depp waterbed scene was filmed in the same room. But the funnier part of it was, they just released and unleashed blood all over fake blood in that room. They couldn't shut it off. It started going up the walls. <laughs> it started filling the floor. They had people that were electrocuted on set because of it because they couldn't get it <laughs> wow. to stop. So it was an ocean nightmare. But it was everybody's nightmare, and it really launched a franchise this movie did. And it, going up against Poltergeist, I, I've i got to give the edge to Freddy. I really do, because it's it, this movie was so iconic for its time. And yes, you, how can you argue? How can you fight a guy in your dreams? How do you get away from a guy in your dreams? How do you it's, do that? It's hard, but I'm, I'm going to try, Dave. I, I'm going with Poltergeist on this one. And So what's your reasoning? Well, first of all, it's got... Craig T. Nelson in it. Okay. Great actor. Yep. Everyone everyone remembers Coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got uh, Joe Beth Williams, uh, Heather O'Rourke, Zelda. I'm going to say that name right. Rubenstein. Rubenstein. Everyone yep. knows her. The little creepy old lady. Yeah, everybody, everybody knows her. Everybody knows her. We talked. Steven Spielberg wrote it. We talked about uh, Toby Hoops, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He also uh, did uh, The Equalizer, the TV show. Uh, he, and also, he did Freddy's Nightmare, the TV series, and the Nightmare Begins video. I just, I, I can't, I'm not giving up. I'm not yeah. giving up on Nightmare Before. But, but Nightmare Before another Christmas. thing, you know, the, just like the last one, the cinematographer, Matthew F., I'm going to slaughter this, Leonetti. Leonetti? Okay. Leonetti. He did The Call to the Wild, the TV movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, The Ice Pirates, one of my favorite, The Notebook, the TV movie back from 1985, Weird Science, Commandos, Dragnet, Red Heat, Another 48 Hours, Leap of Faith, Angels in the Outfield, Star Trek First Contact and Insurrection, Along Came a Spider, Rush Hour 2, and your favorite, Too Fast and Too Furious. Yeah, we, we know how much you oh, love. Oh, well, never fast mind, <laughs> Freddy. You're done. It, the this butterf- guy's got a, the fa- butterfly a Fast and Furious movie to his Dawn of credits. the Dead, Fever Pitch, that we, ta- we, uh, we talked about, Accepted Hall Pass, and Dumb and Dumber 2. This guy is amazing at what he does. Just like on the last one, he's a great cinematographer. He makes everything look good that he touches. And this is why I have to give the edge to uh, Poltergeist. Yes, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street does look good. It's really dark. It was shot dark on purpose because, you know, most horror films are. But, you know, you still got to kind of see what's going on. And that's 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 why I got to go with Poltergeist here, Dave. And here's the thing. I think in, in Nightmare on Elm Street... It helps to not see what's going on. It makes the movie that much scarier. It makes you. It lets you know that no one is really safe. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's you know in the phone, who's in the bathtub with you. You don't want to fall asleep. And and I, I it's the other thing is the story behind the story. The reason that Wes Craven wrote this story is he actually it came from a 
news article in the L.A. Times about these Laotians that came. They were refugees that came to the United States. And when they were in uh, Laos and every place, when they had a bad dream, they would get up. They would draw it. They would paint. They would do something. And they looked at that as their way of getting rid of the spirits, getting rid of the bad dreams and the bad bad feelings. When they became refugees and came here, they couldn't do that. There were 18 of them that died in their sleep. And they're attributing it back to, you know, the fact that they didn't have that release. So that's where he got the idea to write this whole thing. Come on. You got to give me Nightmare on Elm Street. Both of them have amazing special effects. Like, I remember this was before CGI, so everything 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 was practical. practical. You you know what? I'll give it to you just just for the special effects, because Nightmare on Elm Street's effects were a little bit better than Poltergeist. Not a whole lot, but they were better. And, and if you've never watched, I'm telling you right now, if you've never watched uh, the movies that made us uh, Nightmare before on Elm Street, watch it. And you'll have a great new appreciation for the movie. Alright, well I guess we got our winner. Alright, so here we go. Whew. I think we just got done talking about the one, so we might as well go back and start it over with the other one. We're going to kick it off with Halloween. Okay, now we're going Halloween against Two Nightmare. Bef- Nightmare. Why do I always want to say Nightmare Before Christmas? Um, <laughs> we're going Halloween against Nightmare on Elm Street. Th- this is going to be tough. This is one that we've never put two together. You know, we've seen Freddy versus Jason. Yes. We've never seen Freddy versus Michael. No. But it's about two people that cannot be stopped. And I guess what we've got to do is we've got to look at the fact of, did John Carpenter's Halloween influence Wes Craven and Nightmare on Elm Street? That is a very good question. Because I... I what, what, what year did Freddy come out? Freddy came out in 1984. So I, I'm going to say yeah. I'm definitely going to say Freddy was influenced by it. There's something about a guy. That, I mean, they both can. Yes. But eventually, Freddy is stopped at the end of the movie. Yeah. At the end of every movie. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. the end of all 11. <laughs> Mike Myers, you he just keeps never going. He's like He's like the little engine that could. He just keeps going, and he just keeps going, and he just keeps going. And the thing, I guess, and I've been holding this back because I really wanted to give the edge to Nightmare on Elm Street, but uh, you got to think about, here's the thing with Halloween. Two years later... We were introduced to a guy named Jason. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you had to also look at the fact that I would be willing to bet that parts of Halloween created Jason. Oh, definitely a, a character that you just can't stop. You can't slow him down. All of that, and I I think we've talked enough about these movies going forward that I it's not one of my favorites though. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to compare these because they're t- two completely different type of scary movies. Halloween's more of the guy's coming after you; he's chasing you. Where Freddy, you know, it's more, uh, you know, it's they lie a little more on the special effects to make things because it, it, it's in the dream world, you know. So anything can happen in the dream in your dream. So that's why you get more of the special effects, like with the uh, the room upside down and the the waterbed with all the blood and all that, you know. So honestly, I'm gonna have to go with Freddy on this one. All right, just because of the effects. Let's go. I, I'm good with that. Maybe I did a little bit of uh, you know. Reverse psychology, because that's who I wanted to win anyway. So I, Nightmare I, I, on Elm Street. I still think uh, Halloween has a better... Nightmare on Elm Street comes out on top. 
Yes. We agree with that. Yes. All right. So there you heard it. Nightmare on Elm Street, the greatest horror movie as far as we're concerned. This is going to start debate. That's what it's all about. So go on our Facebook page. Go on our YouTube channel. Tell us what you really think. That could be scary. Yep. All right. Until next week, we'll talk to you then. We'll go see movies and talk more about it up to then. Be good. Bye.